Morning. In today's passage from Matthew chapter 14, uh, we have just a stunning example of both uh, great faith and not so great faith. As you think about uh, what it means to put your trust in Jesus and then apply that confidence to your daily living, even when the sailing may not always be uh, quite so smooth. And while I hope every sermon that you ever hear here at St. Andrew uh, will encourage you in that direction, uh, today I want to take a a look at specifically what it was about that night on the Sea of Galilee uh, that helps us, in the words of St. Paul, uh, to walk by faith and not by sight uh, after encountering that moment when St. Peter was at his faithful best, and then in a moment begins to lose it. Now, when I think about uh, some of the steps of faith that I've taken in my own life, I can't help but uh, go back once again to a a beautiful fall Saturday afternoon. Uh, About this time of year, at the end of September, actually, when I was a senior uh, in college, and uh, after looking at a poster depicting a man floating down to earth beneath a beautiful multicolored parachute, I turned to my friend and I said to him, someday I'm gonna do that. Which of course was a lie. (laughs) Uh, But my friend uh, called my bluff and he went out and he signed us up for a parachute jump. And what I can tell you is that back in those days, uh, it it wasn't one of those tandem jumps where you go out with an experienced person. Uh, Back then, you brought your own helmet, you packed your own parachute, you took a little proficiency test, and you went out all by yourself. But the scariest part of it, at least for me, uh, was that very first step, which isn't what you think it was, because uh, the plane out of which I jumped was actually a a single-engine Cessna, Uh, which has the wings above the fuselage with these struts coming down to the body of the plane and then two lower struts going out to the wheels of the plane. And when the time came, what you had to do was hang your feet out of the door of the plane and then plant your left foot on the housing of the wheel, the box above it, and then grab hold of the strut above you and then pull yourself out and swivel around and grab hold of the strut with your right hand and then plant your right foot next to your left foot on that little wheel housing and then stand there as the plane flies (laughs) until your jump master gives you the signal and says, let go. And uh, so I can tell you two things about uh, that experience, one of which is that I was terrified and the other of which is that I knew that I had to put all of my focus on that little step. Not on the wind, not on the ground 3,000 feet below me, because if I wasn't entirely focused on that little first step, bad things were going to happen. But fortunately, they didn't happen, and it turned out to be this just beautiful, exhilarating, you know, adrenaline rush of an experience that I know some of you here at St. Andrew have also had, and that I plan never to have again. (laughs) Well, in today's passage from Matthew chapter 14, the disciples obviously are in a boat, not a plane. And uh, they are in a dark and stormy night, not a beautiful fall Saturday afternoon. And uh, in their own way, they were also 
far from the land when they cry out in fear, thinking that what they saw that night was a ghost, when what they really actually saw was none other than Jesus. And yet, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the storm, in in the midst of a fear that was both real and imagined, Jesus hears the call of St. Peter who wants to come out and walk with him on the water. And the question for us today is what exactly is it that motivated him to take that step, to let go of that boat in the midst of a storm, and then what was it that caused him to sink? With respect to the uh, first part of the question, you know, some people would say, well, Peter was just demonstrating just the enormity and the greatness of his faith because Peter was a disciple of Jesus. And back in those days, disciples didn't just follow their rabbis, they tried to imitate their rabbis, to do what the rabbi did. Kind of like when I was a little kid, and I remember going to church and watching what my pastor did and feeling that I wanted to do what he was doing. And uh, so back in uh, those elementary school days, I would gather with my friends in the basement of our house. I would stand up on an upended orange crate and I would preach to my friends. (laughs) The sermons were short because they basically left. Or when my uh, little pet turtle passed away, I took his soft little body and I put it in my mother's silver jewelry box and I buried him in the backyard with mourners in attendance. My mother cried. (laughs) Not for the loss of the turtle. Or maybe Peter uh, was just uh, showing off once again, as he was often known to do uh, from time to time. And as I did that day, walking around the campus of my college with my friend, or trying to show Jesus once again that his faith was rock solid, that he knew everything there was to know about forgiveness, that he would never leave Jesus, even when the other guys would run, none of which turned out to be true, of course. And yet this is the one who is willing to take this incredible step of faith, to get out of the boat and to put his complete trust in Jesus And so what I think really motivated him above anything else was that moment when they cried out in their fear and Jesus responds by saying, take heart, don't be afraid, it is I. Which sounds on the face of it like a very nice and very encouraging kind of a thing uh, to say, it is I. But it's actually way, way more than that because those guys had heard those words before. They heard those words somewhere in their past. And that somewhere was the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. When God tells Moses uh, that he is doing a new thing for the children of Israel, and Moses says to God, well, who do I tell them is doing this new thing? And God says to Moses, tell them it is I. Tell them I am. And so when they hear Jesus say, It is I on the water. They've heard those words before. And why is that important to you and me today? It is important to us because in those words, Jesus is not just announcing his presence. Jesus is also announcing his divinity. He is telling them that God himself was with them in the midst 
of their storm. And how does Peter respond to that? Well, uh, he says to Jesus, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water, if it is you. And where have you heard those words before? How about Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, and he says to Jesus, if it is you, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. If it is you, why don't you take a step of faith and jump off the roof of the temple? And so Peter is actually mimicking those words from Matthew chapter 4, except that instead of tempting Jesus as the devil did, he wants to be close to Jesus. Because if you read the passage very carefully, you'll see that what Peter wants to do most of all is not walk on the water. He wants to be close to Jesus because he is a disciple. And if Jesus is on the water, then he wants to be on the water with him. So that the enormity of this man's faith, the greatness of his faith, is found in a person who, get this, would rather be overboard in a storm with Jesus than be inside that boat without him. And that is some kind of good faith. But then, of course, the passage goes on. And we have the other part of the question. Well, then what it was, what was it that made him sink? And some people would say, well, it's because uh, Jesus uh, was there and he told people, Peter to come to him and uh, and when he did, that's when he realizes that he may be a disciple of Jesus, but he's not Jesus. And so he really can't walk on the water. But you know what? That isn't true, because in, in verse 29, he's doing it. He's already doing it. The answer comes in the very next verse. But when Peter noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and he began to sink. In other words, when Peter took his focus away from Jesus and onto the storm, that's when he began to lose his footing. And that right there is the second most important lesson of this passage from Matthew chapter 14 today, that when the storm comes into my life, whatever that storm is, and it will come, my first move is to be absolutely focused on Jesus on taking that step of faith and not on the storm itself. And what I can tell you from personal experience is that doing that can be extremely difficult. And that's why I need this. That's why I need his word, his sacrament, his church, that's why I need all of you to help me stay focused in the midst of the storm so that the more I am, the better I will be able to navigate and by the grace of God find myself saying, through him, you know, I can deal with this. Through him, I can make it through this. Through him, I can rise above this in the sufficiency of God's grace. Now, Matthew also tells us uh, that all of this takes place uh, very early in the morning. 
Uh, some translations of the Bible get uh, much more specific and, and say precisely that it happened during the fourth watch of the night. And the fourth watch of the night was actually sometime between three and six o'clock in the morning. Which is to say that Jesus comes to the disciples in the storm while it is dark, but before the daybreak, when the sun would rise and their lives would get way, way better. And where have you heard that one before? What about John chapter 20? Early in the morning, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb. She is terrified. She is weeping. And she is about to realize that her life in the risen Christ was going to get way, way better. And that brings me to the most important uh, lesson of this passage from Matthew chapter 14, which is when uh, Peter the fisherman uh, takes his focus away from Jesus and, and on to the storm, and he begins to sink. He cries out to Jesus, and he says, Lord, save me, a Hebrew version of which is the word Hosanna, which I think we may have also heard somewhere before. And what it tells me, and I hope it tells you, is that when you begin to lose it in your life, when you begin to lose your footing, when you find yourself focused on the storm, focused on your loss, focused on your grief, your heartache, your circumstance, your loneliness, the insufficiency of your faith, and you call out to him, Jesus is going to reach out and he will catch you. As he caught Peter that day, he will reach out to you. He will pull you up and pull you out. He will comfort you. He will sustain you. He will direct you. He will guide you. He will encourage you. When you slip, when you stumble, when you falter, when you find yourself not always getting it right, he will come to you, in Matthew's word, immediately. And he will lift you up by the power of his grace so that you can once again keep your eye on the eye, or should I say the it is eye, of every single storm in your life. And you know what? I have seen all kinds of people in this community of faith become living witnesses of the presence of God in the midst of the turbulent waters of your life. I have watched you walking by faith through moments in which you might have otherwise drowned. But Peter didn't drown, even though he was supposed to drown. And in just that way, the God who calls us to keep our eye on him is also ready to catch us whenever we fall so that we, by his grace, can make it through and be lifted up through every storm and every adversity that life may have to deliver to you and me. That is what's going on. That's what happened that night on the Sea of Galilee. That is the promise of God, and that's what this passage today is really all about. Now, um, the last time 
that I talked about my little parachute jump. I uh, think I probably mentioned uh, that when I was dating my wife, I uh, wanted to, you know, impress her, uh, kind of show off a little bit. And so I said to her, I once jumped out of an airplane. Her response basically was to say, wow, that is unbelievable. I jumped five times. <laughs> True story. So then I married her. Anyway, when you put this all together from Matthew chapter 14, what you get out of it are some of the most important lessons that you can ever learn in all your life. That when you let go, and when you step out, and you put your trust in him, it can and it will make all the difference in the world. And when you live your daily life as his disciple, it will help you get ready for the storm, whatever it is, whenever it comes. And when you find yourself losing it, and your footing is unsure, and you don't get it right, and you call out to him, he will reach out to you from his cross, and he will catch you so that once again, you, like Peter, can return to a great faith, keeping your eye on the eye of the storm and celebrating the grace of Jesus Christ and its power to change your life forever. And that's the good news for the 18th Sunday after Pentecost. Amen. I invite you to rise as we confess our faith together.